This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, Episode 5. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. It seems like we're on a pretty good rhythm now. We had an episode come out last week. We have an episode coming out this week. We have an episode coming out next week. And this week, we're actually starting a series. It's a series called The Business of Running a Business. And this series is for those of you who don't quite understand the business aspects of running your business. We talk about things that may bore some people, but realistically, if you want this to be a business, you want this to be a real deal business for you, you have to understand this stuff. So we talk about business entities. We talk about sales and marketing. We talk about all sorts of fun and not so fun things, but all important. But this is part one of a two or maybe three part series. But before we get into today's episode, I also want to let you know that right now there's a workshop, a free workshop going on that I just released. It's a four video series, and I think two of the videos are out right now. And the series is called the Business Accelerator Workshop Series. And this series is going to be basically the next step after listening to this episode. It talks about some of the things you need to know when it comes to sales, when it comes to marketing, when it comes to referrals, when it comes to building your snowball up into a sustainable career. So if you have a small client base right now and you're trying to grow that, you can just head over to the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash workshop, and that'll get you where you need to go. So without any further delay, let's head into episode five of the Six Figure Home Studio podcast. So I'm a brand new studio right now, and I want to become a legitimate business. What is the first thing I should do to be legit? Oh man, you got to get a business card, three ply all the way. You know, one of those ones with black, white, black on the edges, the thicker it is. (laughs) If you only hear one thing we say, the thicker your business card is, the more successful you will be every time. In all seriousness, business cards, like we all, that's like our default thing to do when any entrepreneur starts a new business. We get two things. First, we get a logo and then we get a business card. That's so dumb. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I've, I've fallen into the trap of like in the past getting business cards for my business and The business had no revenue. We had no customers. We had nothing other than business card and logo. Um, I've looked into like getting really cool business cards that were like made of metal and like, you know. If you got the hologram on the business card, you would have been successful on that launch. First of all, what are we doing when we buy business cards first off in a new business? What are we really doing there? Uh, We want to show it to our mom. No, we're we're procrastinating. Exactly. Look, mom. Showing it to your mom is, yeah, that's also procrastination. We feel validated when we have business cards. We feel validated when we have a logo. We have all of these other things in place to become a legitimate business. Like it, it's, it's a lot of, it's, it's just procrastination and it's, it's avoiding what really matters in business. So what are we avoiding, Chris, when it comes to, what are we procrastinating away from? I think we make a list of things that are easy and sort of fun that we think we need to do to start a business or to take a business to the next level. And what we're ultimately procrastinating is one thing. It's the scariest part of business and it's sales. It's getting out there. It's talking to people and saying those terrifying words, I'm better than the next guy. It's just awkward, man. Like you don't like meet a friend, like make friends at a bar or meet a, you know, some of the opposite sex or whatever and say, well, I'm better than the next guy. And here's why it's awkward. It's not a social thing that we do, but it's the, it is the thing that drives every single other aspect of your business. Can you close a sale? And 
I actually say it's a little different than just saying I'm better than the next person. It's just like with a relationship with a girl, you don't just go for the kill first of all. There's a there's a little dance. There's a little game you play. There's a little bit of a give and take you do. And you know what what do you do as far as going about the sales process? Go back, tell me back actually to one of your earlier memories of what did you do to get past that initial fear of selling yourself? And how did you go about getting the your first several sales or your first sale or whatever comes to mind? Well, you know, for me, I lucked out in that I was uh, doing pretty decent as a singer-songwriter. Um, I was touring around. I was selling my own CDs. Uh, you know, I would go out on a weekend and sell, you know, 100 or 200 CDs back when, you know, people were buying CDs. And I made really good money. That also gave, uh, gave me a lot of opportunities to meet people who wanted to sell their own CDs, wanted to make CDs. So, um, you know, I would meet people at my shows and, and a uh, conversation would start. They'd ask me about how I did what I did and uh, recording would come up and I would pitch them on, hey, I can produce your record. And, you know, they just saw a show that I played. So they thought I was pretty cool at that moment in time. And, uh, you know, the first time I ever did this was really freaky. Um, I had come out with a CD. I'd sold a bunch of them. I had all this cash and I'd reinvested in a bunch of audio gear and I was going to start producing records was the plan. This is a long time ago, 2002, 2003, something like that. Good Lord. And uh, so the problem I had was I didn't know how to use the gear very well. I didn't really even know how to use the software. Uh, I was using Digital Performer at the time and things were a lot less user-friendly back then too because computers were terrible. And uh, I convinced this guy to let me do a record for him and to give me half down. Well, how did you convince him to do this? Because that's the million dollar question that most people listening to this episode are probably thinking like, well, how do you convince somebody to do that? That's, that's sales, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing, the most important thing was I, you know, I looked him in the eye and said, I can make you a good record. And I believed it. And so did he. And I uh, did everything I could to give him a good record. There's a lot I do different at this point. Um, but it was a, it, the root of this was a faith in myself that I could get, if I got myself into a sticky situation, I'd figure it out. That if he was, you know, put money on the table to make a record for him, I would figure out how to make a great record for him. So how do you get that sort of confidence in yourself? You're, you know, having the confidence in your own ability to do what you say you can do. You have to be a sociopath. (laughs) 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 So I I always like to tell people, um, every business in the history of the world, with few exceptions, they're all predicated on a lie. And that lie is the first sale you make. Nobody wants to be the first sale to your business. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's an awkward thing of this, like, I'm going to go out and try to get someone to give me money to make them something. And See, t- to me, I don't think it's a lie necessarily. And, and I'll, I'll kind of go back to my first story of the first sale I made. And it was, it was basically just this. Like, I was hustling my ass off in my basement for 120 hours in a week. Like there's a story on the blog about it. I think I talked about it in my episode of the, of the podcast episode three. But at the end of the day, I was confident enough that I could get some songs recorded in a way that was probably better than the next best thing in the area. So I went to my immediate network, my, what I call my natural warm market. I've talked about this in the past, but those people around me that already knew me, they already liked me, they already trusted me. Uh, and they were looking to record new music. So I just threw my name in the hat. I gave them a really cheap rate. Didn't care what I made. I was focused 100% on 
on A, getting my first client, B, crushing it, doing the best possible job I could, and C, just getting paid for it, anything. I didn't care what the amount was. I just knew that I didn't necessarily want to do it for free uh, because I did not want to start my career off with free work. And I'm not saying that free work is bad. Uh, going back, I would probably have maybe picked up a couple free bands early on if, I, if, if it would have meant speeding my career up a little bit. But at the end of the day, free work, not free work, you have to get paid at some point if you want to be a business. And I was okay with... Uh, getting paid probably less than minimum wage. It was 50 bucks a song just starting out. Like no one's going to make money or living off 50 bucks a song, but it's still better than nothing. And I felt like the band got more than their money's worth. They came back to me multiple times after that. I got paid good rates from that same band down the road. You know, when I got better, once they got more uh, money as a band. So I, I feel like it's just a, a combination of delivering high value for less than what you're charging and having the confidence that you can deliver what you say you can deliver. Because if you lie about what you say you can do and you can't deliver on what you say you can do, you are setting yourself up for a very short career. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I, I think um, the most important thing in sales is under-promising and over-delivering. The worst thing you can do in sales isn't to lose sales, but it's to sell something that you can't deliver on. Yeah. If you sell something to somebody and it stinks, and it, and you can't deliver on it, and you're not willing to make it right, to have integrity and to either refund them their money, um, or you know whatever it takes to do right by them, word will get around, and nobody will touch you. Yep, absolutely. Like if you overpromise, underdeliver, you you will not make it. Yeah, that is. You can stop the episode right now because you're not going to get past this when it comes to having a legitimate business. Yeah, so you have to be able to have integrity, ridiculous integrity, and people need to know that you're going to do right by them, even if it's not in your own best interest. That if you get in a situation that's your fault in some way, shape, or form, that you will make it right no matter how much it hurts you. I have a, I have a story about this. There was a band that I mixed their album in 2011. It's actually one of the bigger artists that I've worked with in my life. And they were nobody at the time. They were just a small local band um and and no one had really heard of them at the time and they paid me to mix their album so anytime i mix an album i first do a single i do what i call a test mix i'll do one song and in my genre of music which is heavy music this the overall mix doesn't change from song to song to song it's pretty much the same it's going to be the same similar same or similar guitar tone same or similar drum tones there's no surprises so it's not like i mix one song and then the rest are going to be completely different sounding if i get approvals from all the band on one song i can pretty much guarantee that the rest of the songs will go well well that happened with this band i sent them a test mix we had several revisions back and forth after maybe test mix three they were happy with it they gave me the green light to mix the rest of the songs I finished you know, the full album mix, the full album, you know, the, at least the rough master for it. And lo and behold, the band hated it. The band hated it so much that they were discouraged and they didn't even want to release the record. They were essentially just going to not put it out. They were just like, dude, just keep the money. We're just going to not release this. Like I, I was blown away like when they, yeah, when they called me, I was like, cause they, it was not an insignificant amount of money at the time. I was probably charging like I want to say maybe 300 bucks a song. So it was about three grand, which um, it's not a lot, but it's not a little either. So long story short, I talked to them. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about what's not right with this right now. Cause I'm not going to just not let you release the record. We're going to make this right. So I went out of my way 
to do whatever I possibly could to make this band happy with that record. The guitarist flew out to me, re-recorded, re-recorded some guitar parts on a noisy Telecaster that he used that was basically making the tracks unusable for me. That was not on me. That was on them. They recorded the songs themselves, but I still went out of my way to have him fly out to my studio, free studio time, retracking parts, having him in the studio while I mixed the part, remixed the entire record from scratch to the point where they were happy with it. So they were happy with it. The album was released. Everything was success. But at the end of the day, I earned about half per hour. If you, if you want to say that half of half of my time was spent fixing stuff that really wasn't my fault. So all of that to say, to go back on the point that even if it's your, not your fault, whether it's your fault or not, it doesn't matter. If a band is not happy with the work that you gave them, a work that they paid you a lot of money for and a work that they had faith that you would deliver on, it's it's going to be an uphill battle. And if you're not willing to take some hits from time to time, yeah. it doesn't matter how good you are at selling yourself, you're not going to have a business. Because you'll have a bad reputation. Yeah, your reputation is your business when it comes to being a studio owner. 100%. Your reputation is your business. There are no shortcuts when it comes to customer service and sales. You need to make sure that every single person that you work with would recommend you to their friends and at worst wouldn't discourage their friends from hiring you. The only way to do that is to under promise over deliver. The only way that you're going to build a sustainable business is ridiculous, unbelievable integrity. People need to believe that you will take care of them because people only buy for two reasons. And they have, that has to be a yes for both of these reasons. One, are you good at the thing? Two, are you trustworthy? If the answer is no to either one of those things, you will not make the sale. Guaranteed. Has to be a yes for both of those things. So we could talk about the sales process for, for honestly, 30 episodes. Like there's so much to this and there's so many factors that go into it. And there's so many, you know, there's so many problems when it comes to sales and, and we'll probably have episodes for this in the future. But when it comes to the business of running your business, there's a lot more to cover and we don't have a lot of time to cover it. So let's move on to the next thing. Uh, let's just say business is humming along a little bit. You've got some money coming in. Let's just say, let's say you've made your first thousand dollars, right? Yeah. Or well, if you're trying to have a, oh, go ahead. Let, let me add this to it too. You know, we're kind of closing the chapter on the sales, at least for this episode. Everything else we're going to talk to, talk everything else we're going to talk about is in response to having sales. So don't put the cart before the horse. The most important part, the most important business about running a business is everything flows from sales. Sales solve all. And all these other problems don't need solved unless they're in the service of making sales. Well said. Thank you. Okay, so that leads us to our next bullet point in our outline today, and that is choosing a business entity. First of all, when is it time to really worry about business entities? And I know we just talked about getting sales first, but at what point does it make sense for someone to say they don't have, they have a client every now and again, or um, even some of this part-time or full-time? Let's just, what, what is your quick and dirty on business entities? Well, I would always start as a sole proprietor. Um, so proprietor, you know, in the eyes, at least of the U S government, you know, you are by yourself running the business. Um, I am an LLC, a limited liability corporation. And, you know, for those of you outside of the U S we apologize if this isn't as applicable for you. Um, but as far as business entities go, I would say your two main choices are sole proprietor and LLC. And until you've got crazy amounts of sales, you don't need to worry about the LLC or C corp or anything else. 
Um, and if, depending on what state you live in, in the United States, you might not even need to worry about an LLC. I'm an LLC. I'm in the state of Ohio. If I were in the state of California, I probably wouldn't be an LLC. It's $800 per year in California to be an LLC. In Ohio, it was 150 bucks a long time ago. Yeah. So it, you got to look into what's applicable in your state. I would talk to other entrepreneurs about that, but don't get fancy. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Like it's, it's a lot more work to be an LLC, LLC. And until you're really making a lot of money, uh, stick with a sole proprietor, unless you just have a lot of liability concerns. I will say that for the first, I mean, even to this day, I'm a sole proprietor, which is probably really, really stupid. And it's probably going to change this next year. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, I worry about sales more than business entities and these other things. I don't even have business cards. <laughs> we were talking about business cards. Yeah. As you should. And so like, yeah, so find what works for you and roll with it. But there are some concerns when it comes to being a sole proprietor that you cannot overlook if you want to uh, avoid liability in your own business, avoid getting sued. Because I want to say I saw a stat somewhere. It's like 90 or 95% of the world's lawsuits happen in the United States. And if you're a sole proprietor and someone slips and falls in your studio or someone cuts themselves or someone burns themselves or someone falls, like if something happens in your studio, you are liable for it. Now your insurance, if you have any sort of um, insurance on your commercial space or your home studio, uh, insurance may cover it. But I will almost always uh, say that if you have a home and a home studio, which we talk about home studios here at the Six Figure Home Studio, if you have a home studio and you have liability insurance as far as like just homeowners liability insurance, it will most likely, I would almost guarantee it will not cover an injury when it happens in a business setting inside of your home. If you're running a home studio and you have a business related injury to one of your clients, it's going to be on you personally, especially if you're a sole proprietor. So you got to be prepared to separate your business from your personal life. And the way you do that is an LLC. So if you, if you get sued as a sole proprietor and the settlement is some high dollar amount you can't afford. It's not going to be your business that folds. It's going to be you. You're going to be one following for bankruptcy or yeah. doing some crazy maneuver to get the money to pay that lawsuit. It's kind of terrifying. And I'm talking about it now. I don't know why the hell I've gone this long. Like I have a triple bunk bed in my studio. <laughs> if someone falls off the top of a triple bunk bed, like they might die. <laughs> so like that kind of <laughs> stuff is a, it's a lot of liability to take on in the silver provider. So Uh, keep those things in mind and I'm going to probably go change that today. (laughs) Well, there's another component of that. Um, And again, I, I wouldn't consider myself an expert in the sort of business entity stuff. But um, if you're an LLC, there's the opportunity to develop credit for your LLC. And I think that's a very good thing. Now, what would you use credit for, Chris? Well, for me, I've got um, tons of credit uh, for my business. And then I have separate credit for me as an individual, uh, as far as my business goes, that might be for um, building out a website edition. Or it might be for uh, construction. It might be for gear, uh, though I try it for it to not be about gear. Um, sometimes it's about marketing. Um, but the thing that'll kill a business that will drive it out of business is either a lack of cash or a lack of credit. That's probably which ultimately stems from a lack of sales. To get back to our first thing you're going to have a cash flow problem and credit um, is nice because it can help you with a cash flow uh, problem where it can, you know, if you've got a slow month, it can, it can get you through. So yeah, we'll, we'll need to talk. We'll need to have a credit episode in the future. Cause I'm very much against credit because most people abuse it. But I will say if you are really business savvy, 
and you do understand how to properly deploy, deploy credit in a worthwhile manner that's not just screwing yourself over and buying stupid shit because you think it's free money, there is a strategic time to use debt. And I, don't, we don't, I know we don't have time to talk about it today, but that is a topic we do need to cover in the future. Yeah, for sure. Well, let me, let me, let me kind of point something out. Everything we're going to talk about falls into one category. And that category is separating you and your business. So your business entity should be different than you. And I think it's really important, at least for me historically, to see my business as its own thing, as opposed to seeing it as me, uh, has helped me in my quest for emotional health, especially as a father. I've got three kids and a wife. And when I see my business as me, I make weird ego-driven decisions for my business. When I see my business as a separate thing um, that I can work for and on, then it starts to be a little bit different. So everything we're talking about here, a, a lot of it has to do with separating your business into its own standalone thing, not this you thing. And I think one of the reasons that audio engineers struggle uh, with health in general is we see everything we do as us. We see everything we do yeah, as... It'll take its toll. And, it, and that takes its toll. That's why you see overweight, uh, 90 hour a week, divorced audio depressed. engineers depressed all the time it's a, it is a very um difficult uh career field to maintain your emotional health in and i think a lot of that stems from separation what's the business what's you you are more than what you do for a living you get to do some really cool stuff when you're in the music industry but you need to have an identity apart from from what you do for money Oof. That is some damn good truth right there, dude. Mm. So business entity, that's one way of separating yourself from your business. Um, what about your bank account? Yeah, I would advise every single person starting a business ever to have a separate bank account that's business only. Don't run a business out of your personal account. If you're listening to this podcast, I bet most people are running their business out of a personal account. Stop that. <laughs> I'm not. Don't do that. It's one... When the government, uh, if, if you get audited by the IRS, it's going to make oh, it a freaking God. nightmare. Yeah. Two, it makes it impossible to run your business well unless you're meticulous about records. And let's face it, we're in the creative industry. None of us are meticulous about records. No, I'm not. I, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to taxes later on. But like my record keeping is nothing special. That's what I'll say about that. Get an account. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's yeah. sole proprietor, LLC, Get a specific debit card and a specific credit card for your business. Even if it's like a $500 max credit card, never buy anything for your business on your personal stuff. And never buy personal stuff with your business card. Yes. And that also is a thing uh, with the popularity of PayPal these days. You need a separate PayPal account for your business as well. And yeah. your separate PayPal account needs to be tied to your separate business account, your separate business bank account. Um, so you can transfer money back and forth. So you, because most of, if not all of my payments come through PayPal now. And so I'm doing a lot of volume through PayPal and that needs to be linked to my business bank account. Not to your personal. Yeah. Right. And I will do transfers to personal, but that's what I would consider what I call a payout. Yeah. So if you're listening to this episode and I'm sure, uh, that you're thinking, well, what's applicable to me? If you don't have a separate business bank account, even if you haven't started your business yet, but you intend to go do that. Open up a, a... No, make a sale first. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah, a sale first. Sales, sales solve all. But 
uh, a separate business bank account is a very, very good thing. And it makes all the business of running a business so much easier because you can open it up and see, oh, this is how much I made. This is how much I spent. This is how much I spent on uh, analog tape. This is how much I spent on uh, vacuum, whatever, vacuum tubes. Yeah, and then whenever you whenever you tie in some sort of accounting software into that, whether it's Wave app or I use GoDaddy bookkeeping, not because I like GoDaddy. I actually hate GoDaddy. Wait, but you use GoDaddy bookkeeping too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. the only other person on earth I know <laughs> that uses GoDaddy bookkeeping. Well, you, were, you were signed up on it before it was called GoDaddy bookkeeping. It was called Outright, yeah? Outright, yeah. And this is not an endorsement for GoDaddy because no, I not. despise them. Yeah, I do too. But man, their bookkeeping software is fantastic. Yeah, it is. And it's the cheapest you'll find. It used to be free, which is why we both used it. But then it was uh, transferred over to like $10 a month or something stupid. And I just couldn't find a better solution. Yeah. But all that to say, this surprise here is you tie that into your bank account and your PayPal account. And there's all of your numbers for the year. All of your tax write-offs are in there. All of your taxes are really done. Yep. Uh, I just send a statement from that. I generate some report from that, send it to my accountant and not to talk about taxes now, but at the end of the year, that's pretty much all I have to do. Yeah. For me to do my taxes takes about five minutes. Yeah. Because I have a separate account, it's all automated and any expense that I have or any income that I have comes into one account and I open up outright or go to any bookkeeping now and I say, make me a P&L, a profit and loss sheet. Yep. It pumps it out. Everything has already been categorized. It's sort of like mint, but for your business, mint's like a budgeting software. Yeah. Um, I click a button, a spreadsheet pops out, I send it to my account and I'm done. Super easy. The stuff we're talking about so far and for the rest of this episode is kind of one of those things like no matter where you are in your business, if you're earning anything, you have the sales thing at least started. We're setting you up for success in the future because by putting this thing like the bank account into place and for putting the things like the bookkeeping software into place, it makes your life so much easier when you get to the more complex stuff like taxes, like yes. budgeting, like, you know, all the things in the future that you may uh, cringe or start sweating, your palms start sweating at the thought of it. But it really, if you if you do all these things we're talking about right now, this is basically like a little mini free course here. Like this this episode, the next one, because I know we're not going to get through all the stuff we have to talk about in this one episode. But this is this is stuff, if you follow this, it will make your life so much easier from this point on. Yeah, so uh, that's a take home. Write it down. Uh, if you don't have a separate bank account for your business, go do that. True that. You're going to want that. All right, so I said we can probably cover one or two more of these points before we wrap this episode up. But let's just say now we're talking about a separate business contact. What do you mean by that, Chris? Yeah. So a separate business contact, this again goes back into this idea of your business is separate from you. It's a different thing than you. It's not, uh, it's not you. So I think it's really, really, really important that you have a, a separate business contact, which means you should have a phone number that's specifically for business you should have an email address that's specifically for business and you should have, you know, whatever, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or, you know, whatever social media account, those should be specific to your business. You want to keep your business separate from your life so that you can see it clearly when it's super intermingled with your life and with who you are as a person and it's indistinguishable from you as a person it's almost impossible to look at it and say, what could I be doing better in my business? If you're trying to keep up with revisions and quotes and all these other things, you got people talking through your personal Facebook and your phone number and your email address, like it can get out of hand and uh, separating can be a great solution. So do you have any specific recommendations for a separate, separate, uh, let's just say phone number? Yeah, absolutely. Google voice. It's free. For, uh, see, I've never used Google voice. How does this work? 
Google Voice is a pretty cool product. Um, you can right now go to Google, type in Google Voice on Google, and you can sign up for a free phone number that's in your area code. And then uh, I'm an iPhone user, but they make obviously for the Google, you know, Android phones as well. You have a specific app on your phone. And when people call your business number, your phone rings, the app rings. And uh, when you pick up that phone call, that phone call uh, from the people calling you's perspective, they've called one number that's different than your personal number. You can also set business hours and you can put do not disturb on your business line, oh, that's but nice. keep your personal line open. So mom can still call you on Sunday when you're taking the day off. On your personal number. On your personal number. But your client that calls you or texts you on your business number will get uh, will go into a different inbox. So it's essentially two different text inboxes and two different voicemail inboxes. On the same phone, so you don't have to be like a drug dealer with two phones. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So get a Google Voice number. It's super easy. You know, you could do it while you're listening to this episode in a couple minutes. It's super easy. And I think, again, the, the most important thing here is you're not going to find a way to build a successful audio services business, whether that's production or mixing or mastering or whatever, if you're okay with clients texting you at 1 a.m. on a Saturday morning and expecting you to respond from your personal number. Yeah, that's that's a boundaries issue. We're not going to get into that today because yeah. that's a completely different topic, but have some damn boundaries in place. And separating yourself from a business is a good way to start that boundaries uh, thing. But again, it also comes down to many other things which you don't have time to talk about today. Yeah, well, and just to throw this out there, that's a question we've got frequently on on uh, through email. And that's a, a question that I see pop up in the Six Figure Home Studio Facebook um, group. Yeah. As well, of well, of like, how do I keep these two things separate? Well, I've got Facebook messages coming in from clients and it's difficult for me to balance everything. Well, you got to have separate contacts. So have a separate business contact that you only talk about business on and be a jerk. If somebody texts text you at one in the morning, <laughs> you, you have to be able to say, hey, would you email this at my, you know, XYZ at my company.com? I mean, you can, you don't have to be a jerk, but you, you do have to be stern. So what I would always do always, even from day one, because I'm off, I have, I want to say hundreds of unread Facebook messages. And so like, cause I'm just bad at Facebook messenger. I don't care. I, and it sounds mean, but it's just like, honestly, anyone that I care about in my life, anyone that loves me, anyone that likes me, they have my phone number and they're going to text me or they're going to call me, but they're not going to message me on Facebook. And so there are very rare exceptions to that, but almost always across the board, it's not through Facebook. So what happens is, I, and, and honestly, for the first five years of my life, I didn't have or a Facebook's messengers app. I never installed the app on my phone just out of sheer spite for the Facebook messenger app. I have it now. I don't, but that just means I gathered, I hate it. I gathered hundreds of messages that I've never read or, and I won't read because I don't want to go through that rabbit hole. And, and hopefully you guys understand that you can email me, but you can't Facebook message me. And so any band that ever talked to me through Facebook, whether it was business Facebook or my personal Facebook, I always told them, please just email me. I can't keep up through business with, with business stuff through my personal Facebook account and almost always the same story through the business Facebook account. Yeah, absolutely. Let's cover one last bullet point here, Chris. What is the last thing we can cover in today's episode? Well, I think it's important to talk about hours. What are your hours? And it's really, really, really difficult to run a business that's essentially open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Most fledgling audio businesses run that way. You're, you're open 100% of the time because there's no separation between you and your business. So I would say a grown-up thing to do is to have hours. To say, 
you know, I'm nine to, my hours are nine to five Monday through Friday. Sometimes I work a little bit on Sunday. It's, I take Saturday off every week to be with family, but I think it's important to have hours. And when a client can text you at 11 PM on Tuesday, um, as you're getting ready for bed or whatever, and you respond, you're rewarding that behavior and you're going to get more of it. Yep. You're going to get texts at all hours of the day and it's going to be really difficult to run a great business because you're going to be running yourself ragged. So have hours. You're bringing up the boundaries issue again when it comes to hours, but there's a lot more that comes with hours than just the boundaries thing. Yeah. Uh, I think it's great to be in a routine when it comes to working because if you have a set routine with set hours every day, it's so much easier to get a lot of things done because you're in a nice rhythm versus just working sporadically in bursts and then all of a sudden you lose motivation. It's, it's that situation where you're relying on motivation instead of habit and routine. Yeah. And when you put yourself in any sort of situation where you're relying on motivation, you will never get shit done. It is not possible to have sustained motivation throughout your career. So for anyone struggling with motivation, hear this. If you want to get shit done, focus on putting good habit and routine into your life, into your career, and say, motivation be damned. Don't worry about motivation. It's going to come and go. And when you have little waves and bursts of motivation, take advantage of it. But most of the time, you're not going to be motivated. You're not going to be inspired. <laughs> and I know that sounds terrible, but it's honestly true, Chris. Like you've been in this a long time, Chris. Would you would you agree or would you play devil's advocate here? I don't want to talk. I want to keep listening to you say these things. This is enthralling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just how I've built my career. It's like I have what I call my sacred work hours. My sacred work hours are the first four hours of every single workday between eight and noon. Nobody can fucking talk to me during those hours, period. <laughs> my girlfriend knows this. I love her. She knows not to text me at that time. Or if she texts me, it's going to be either a slow or no reply. Chris, you've learned that you can't call or text me during those hours because you will not get responded to until afternoon. Mm -hmm. My business coach knows this. My parents may probably know this, but we don't. they don't talk to me. 30 times a day. My friends definitely know this. Um, anyone in my life that could be considered, I, want, I don't want to use the word distraction, but when it comes to that separation again, those hours, those first four hours are my most creative time, my most in, uh, effective time of work in the day. And I cannot allow anyone to touch those hours. But what that does is allows me to do massive amounts of uninterrupted work during those four hours, my sacred work hours. And in the afternoon, I can do a lot of things. I can do something that if I'm feeling inspired to do something or if I'm feeling like there's something that I just have to get done or if I have meetings or something, I'll, I'll schedule those for the afternoon. These podcast episodes we do in the afternoon. If I need to reply to texts, I do in the afternoon. If I need to do a phone call, if I want to go on a podcast walk, that's all in the afternoon when I'm feeling sluggish. But the first four hours of my workday, nobody touches during the week. And then weekends, I'm fair game. I hang out with my girlfriend. I hang out with my friends. I hang out with my family. I go back home to visit family. You know, weeknights, I'll do any number of things, watch football, play video games. You know, I'll do things that normal people do, but my God, my sacred work hours are about, you can, you can probably hear in my voice how sacred those hours are to me. <laughs> well, I think a lot of this comes back to um, being present. I think the complaint um, and the, the business struggle for a lot of people is that they're doing everything always. And as a result, they're not really doing a great job. They're distracted. They're tired. Um, and, you know, one, one of my pet peeves is uh, there was a, a couple years ago, I was uh, in a meeting with a guy that was, that was doing some work for me and he showed up late, uh, real late. Yep. Disrespectful there. And the whole time he was there, he's like texting back and forth with other people. Nope. 
Nope. And was like, dude. Do I like, hate that so much? Yeah, there's, it's no wonder you're not doing a very good job and that your business is suffering. You're doing everything always. Stop that. My background on my phone is, is just a big red screen that says be fully present. Mm. Just as a reminder to like stay off your damn phone in times. So like anytime in my life, if I'm with friends, if I'm with family, my phone is, I mean, almost 24 seven, my phone is on do not disturb. Ditto. And that's because there's nothing that is that important that I need to reply to it immediately. If it takes five minutes, if it takes five hours, that's fine. But almost everything can wait, especially if I'm spending time with people that I care about. Tim Ferriss, I think, said it really well when he says your inbox, which I inc- would include your your voicemails, your text messages, and your emails, your inbox is just someone else's agenda for your day. Huh. So why let that dictate what you do throughout the day? Why be on call for someone's text message to go back and forth over and over again when you have something that you have set aside time to do, something that you want to get done? Like we all have goals. We all have relationships we care relationships we care about we all have business goals we care about we all have you know things that we want to do things that we want to achieve but when you let your inbox you're that guy that's just sitting there staring at your phone texting back and forth multitasking all day long you're never going to get anything done and that's probably something we need to talk about but we we've kind of out run out of time on this episode today um chris do you want to kind of recap what we've gone over today yeah so to sum it up sales solve all Yep. Don't procrastinate and do unimportant things to get your business rolling or started when the important scary thing is sales. That is the most important thing. Every other thing that has to do with the business of running a business is in response to sales. Every single one of them. Yep. Number two, um, business entity stuff, which again is in response to sales. Uh, The two main ones are sole proprietor or LLC. I recommend that everyone start as a sole proprietor. Um, LLC is nice if it's compatible with your business and the state or area that you live in. True. Um, Separate business bank accounts. This episode's almost over. When it's over, if you're looking for something to do to feel better about yourself (laughs) as you're launching your business or trying to take it more seriously, get a freaking separate business banking account. So important. Applicable to 100% of people. If you disagree... You're wrong. <laughs> That's all there is to it. You need a separate bank account. Every accountant on earth would agree with me on that. Even if you don't have a lot of income or any income yet, you still have expenses. You still are buying gear. You still have some sort of subscriptions you're paying that are related to your audio skills. The coolest thing about owning a business is that a lot of that shit you're buying, a lot of the courses you join or the uh, gear you buy or the membership sites you're a part of or any number of things related to your business or improving your skill set, those are tax write-offs and you don't have to pay taxes on that income. I'm not a CPA, so you need to talk to your CPA about that. And that's also only considering that that's the US of A. I don't know how it is in France or Canada or Australia or Germany or the UK. Um, But yeah, business entities, bank account, what's next? Um, The next big thing we talked about is separate business contacts. You should have your own phone number. Go get a Google Voice account. Super easy. You should have a separate email You shouldn't have an email from a client and then an email from your mom and then an email from a client and then an email from your brother. Yeah, no, God, you need to keep keep those things separate. It makes it so much easier as you grow. And just a quick side note, we didn't talk about this, but it needs to be either your studio name at gmail.com if you can, or better yet, pay for a premium thing. It's like five bucks a month through Gmails, uh, whatever. You'll just Google. Google apps, yeah. Yeah, Google apps. You can do your name at your studio.com. So I have Brian at four, five, six recordings.com. Chris has Chris at Chris Yep. 
So that's a quick side note there. So what's after separate business contacts? Um, hours. You need to have time that you are in business, that you're working and time that you are not. And that comes down to, like we said, most of these things other than sales come down to separation. Your business is a thing. You are a human. These are separate things. True. And you need the more separate you keep them, um, by and large, the better your business will run and the healthier you will be as a human. So true. So have hours. Don't text back and forth with clients or Facebook message back and forth with potential clients at all hours you know, of, of the day. What you're doing is recruiting bad clients when you do that. Rewarding and training bad clients. Exactly. And it's, gonna, it's not sustainable. You know, if you're just, I got to get a client, got to get a client, got to get a client and you get a client and then they treat you that way because that's how you've allowed the relationship to grow. Yeah, it's your it's your fault at that point. If you if you let that kind of stuff happen to you, you let somebody walk all over you, it's honestly your fault if it keeps happening. So, we'll have a much I think a, a we can go all day on that topic too, the the boundaries episode. So, in the future we'll probably bring that up again. So, that's it for today's episode. Peace. Peace. So hopefully this episode was helpful for you, kind of opening your eyes on certain things that may be blind spots to you or certain things you didn't think about. Do not forget about the Business Accelerator Workshop that's going on right now. If you go to sixfigurehomestudio.com slash workshop, that will go a lot deeper into the sales conversation that we had today and some of the client acquisition strategies that we really didn't get a lot of chance to talk about yet. But one thing that I really want to make a point of above all else is... I do not want you to get discouraged or overwhelmed. That is the one thing that I do not want. If any of the stuff you hear from us is above your level or something you just have no idea how to even comprehend that you could possibly do that, don't worry about it. Take baby steps. Do not try to run before you can walk. Don't try to walk before you can crawl. Take baby steps. And if it just means that all you do is take away one small thing from this episode and implement it into your life and into your business, so be it. That's fine. You are not going to be a six-figure home studio before you've made your first dollar. You're not going to be a five-figure home studio before you make your first dollar. You're going to be a one-figure home studio, and that is okay. Make your first dollar, then make your first $100, and make your first $1,000, then make your first $10,000, and then you can worry about becoming a six-figure home studio, and then you can worry about understanding and implementing all the things we talk about in this episode and in the next part in this series. I do not know if next week will be part two in this series because I'm speaking in an event next week and my assistant will be at that event. And I don't know what the edit schedule is going to be for the next episode. We've already recorded it, but we just don't know if it'll be edited yet. So the next episode could be an episode about a CRM and that's just customer relationship management software. So no matter which episode is next, it will be extremely helpful to your business because I don't think many of you guys have implemented a lot of the things we're going to be talking about in the next couple episodes. And most likely you haven't even thought about the things we've talked about in the next episodes because Most of us are just focused on our craft and that's cool. But at the same time, we have to be able to take these business concepts, apply what we can and improve our businesses in order for us to do more of what we love to do. So we have a lot of cool topics to cover in coming episodes. And we also have some really cool guests that I think will bring some really interesting perspectives for you guys. So until next week, happy hustling. (laughs) 